Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. I'm your host, Brother Vinnie Fitzgerald. Today we're going to delve into the Bible to bring you insight from God's Word that will help you to grow and to develop into spiritual maturity. These lessons are designed to help guide you and strengthen you in your relationship with the Lord. Whether you never opened a Bible or have read it cover to cover, this podcast will inform and uplift you. Our purpose is not only for you to know and to understand the King's Word, but for you to live it out in your day-to-day life. Philippians 4 and 9 tells us, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Today our topic is going to be never giving up. Let's begin in Galatians chapter 6. In Galatians chapter 6, beginning in the first verse, it says, Brethren, If a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh, shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit, shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap, if we faint not. The key verse in this chapter is verse 9. It says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. This is a verse about not giving up. Giving up is never an option for the Christian believer. That's not how God designed us, and that's never His will for our lives. The reason why many don't walk the road that we're on is because in the Christian life there are no exit signs. We are called to always carry on, and move forward. Even when things are going wrong, even when we're enduring trials, and even when we're in the heat of the battle, we are commanded by God to go on and to never give up. The first thing that we need to do is see what exactly well-doing is. The word in the Greek is kalos, which means good, beautiful, as an outward sign of the inward good, noble, honorable character, worthy, and seen to be so. The concordance goes on further to say it means attractively good, good that inspires and motivates others to embrace what is lovely, beautiful, and praiseworthy. It means well done, as to be winsome and appealing. When we are well doing, it means that not only are our outward works good, but that our character is intrinsically good. Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12 tell us, As it is written, There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. The only way that we can be made intrinsically good is by Christ working in us. When He is dwelling within our spirit and has renewed our mind, our character will not only be good, but out from our spirit will flow good works that we will naturally manifest in our day-to-day lives. Even when things go wrong, And the devil uses those things against us to make us feel like we're not good enough 
or that we haven't done enough. We need to stand on the word of God that through Christ, we are intrinsically good. The NSAB version of Galatians 6 and 9 says, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. We are commanded here to never lose heart. This is one of the most important commands that Christians are called to follow. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18 in the New International Version says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. This is our inheritance that the Lord has given us. He not only renews us every day, but he has also given us eternal life. Since we are commanded to not lose heart, what should we do? Instead of losing heart, we should take heart. John 16.33 in the NIV says, I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. We are called to take heart, to be cheerful, and to live in joy, even in the midst of trials and tribulations. The same verse, John 16.33, in the Amplified Bible says, I have told you these things, so that in me you may have perfect peace. In the world, you will have tribulation and distress and suffering. But be courageous, be confident, be undaunted, be filled with joy. I have overcome the world. My conquest is accomplished, my victory abiding. There's not a single trial we will ever face that God can't handle. And there's not a single tribulation that we will ever come across that God won't keep us through. The trials and tribulations that we face won't destroy us. They will rather make us stronger. Our faith will get built up and our relationship with the Lord will get deeper because as Romans 8 and 28 tells us, all things work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. What allows us to take heart? It's our hope that is within us that allows us to continue moving forward in faith and not faint. Hope is defined as confidence in a future event the highest degree of well-founded expectation of good as a hope founded on God's gracious promises. What exactly is our hope? What is it that we look forward to and expect? What is it that we fix our eyes on in faith? We look forward to the full inheritance that Christ bought for us on Calvary. We look forward to the eternal life that he promised us, and we look for he himself. He is our hope. He is the embodiment and the personification of all that we hope for and all that we long for in this life. Joel 3.16 tells us, The Lord will be the hope of his people. The Lord is the source of our hope, and he is our hope. He is our everything. He is our all in all. God uses our hope to keep us. He uses it to keep our focus right and our eyes fixed. And he uses our hope to drive us to action. Let's go to John chapter 5. In John chapter 5, beginning in the first verse, it says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, a blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. 
For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie, and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed and walked, and on the same day was the Sabbath. In verse 3 it says, In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, a blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. The key word in this verse is waiting. In the Greek, this word means to take or receive, by implication to await, to expect. The concordance goes on further to say it means to welcome from the heart, looking to the end result of the waiting. Inherent in our waiting is expectation, just like we saw earlier with hope. Waiting in the Christian sense is far more than just sitting around doing nothing, wasting time. True waiting is active. It's expectation that manifests in outward actions that are derived from that expectation. These people were waiting for the moving of the water, so they stood by the water's edge, ready to go in. They were putting an action to their hope and expectation. This was the manifestation of their faith. Hebrews 11 and 1 tells us, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hope is made of faith. Faith is the substance. When the ill waited by the water, it was faith. They had faith that when they got in the water, they would be healed and delivered, and God honored their faith. There is more in this passage that we need to make note of. Verse 4 tells us, For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. The term troubling is very important. In other versions of the Bible, it is translated as stirring. The word used in Greek is terasso. It means a disturbance, a stirring up, tumult, sedition, trouble. The concordance goes on to say it means to put in motion, to agitate back and forth, to shake to and fro, to set in motion what needs to remain still and at ease, to trouble and agitate causing inner perplexity and emotional agitation from getting too stirred up inside and upset. This is what the devil is trying to do all around us in the world today. We see people's lives being turned upside down. We find sorrow and misery. Many times we even find these things within the church. Even though it may seem contrary to what would seem right in the natural, this is the time when we have to put our hope and our faith in God and trust in Him to deliver us. The devil's mission never changes, but at the same time, God's mission never changes. John 10 and 10 tells us, The thief cometh not before to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, that they might have it more abundantly. The devil takes these hard times and these attacks that he places on the people of God and tries to wear us down and destroy us. But that's not God's will. Not only does the Lord have power over these times, but he has also given his people power. We have the power of God residing within us. And when these times arise, we need to call on the Lord. And when we do, 
the power will be released and the situation will change. When the waters were troubled, the ill would get in and they walked out the other side completely healed and delivered. This is the greatness of the God that we serve. This is what he wants to do in our lives. He wants to hold our hand and walk us through the valley until we get to the other side. It's also very important when they stepped into the water. There was a specific time when the angel would come down. Verse 4 said, For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool. The use of the word season is very important. It's the same Greek word for season used in Galatians 6 and 9. The word is the Greek word kairos, which means time, season, opportunity, and occasion. The concordance goes on to say that it means time as opportunity, opportune time. It refers to things coming to a head to take full advantage of. It is the suitable time, the right moment, a favorable moment. When everything is going wrong and everything feels like it's falling apart all around us, in the natural, it may feel like the worst of times and it's hard to see it any other way. But in the spirit, in the plan and will of God, it's not the worst time. It's the right moment. It's a favorable moment. It's the right moment to be blessed. It's the right moment to be delivered. It's the right moment to be healed. And it's the right moment to be set free. If you wait to start having hope until your life has perfect conditions, you'll never hope. And you'll never reap the rewards of what hope will do in your life. We have to understand that when we are living in the will of God, when we're a child of God, every moment is the right moment. And the right moment not only calls for us to have faith, but it also calls for us to take full advantage of the opportunity that the Lord is giving us. Don't miss the opportunity. Seize it and use it to its fullest potential. Sometimes during our times of reflection, we need to ask ourselves the question, what moment are we in? The average answer to this is that we're living in the present moment, enjoying life as it comes, and thanking God for each moment that He's given us. Not only is this true, And not only is this a good perspective to have, but there's also more to it than this. We have to know that we're in the right moment. We're in a moment that God looks upon favorably, that he has chosen for us. And we're called to take that opportunity in the moment and take full advantage of whatever moment we're in in our lives. The devil will try every trick in his arsenal to tell you that the moment is horrible, that there's no longer any hope. He'll try to tell you that God didn't arrive when you needed him. But none of this is true. God is always perfectly on time. He knows the moment that you're in. Don't let the devil steal the moment from you. The moment belongs to you because God gave it to you. Once we understand the moment, we then have to live in the moment. We must ask ourselves the questions, how do we live in the moment? And how do we take full advantage of the moment of blessing in our lives? The answer is found in Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 through 10, which tell us, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. We have to manifest the intrinsic good and the intrinsic hope that are within our spirit to the world around us by our actions. The way that we take a time of trial and turn it into a time of blessing is by doing good to those around us. Because not only will those around us be blessed, but we will also be blessed. Our choice to do good to others, 
even while we ourselves are enduring hardship, reflects back on our God. It shows his goodness and his love. And whether people realize it or not, it draws them closer to him. And this is why our doing good is so crucial and so powerful. The enemy wants you to grow weary. He wants you to faint because he wants to strip you of the power that God has given you. The last thing that we are called to do in the right moment when the opportunity for blessing is there is found in Galatians 6 and 9, which told us, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. This is a conditional promise. We are promised that we will reap if we faint not. But what does it mean exactly to faint not? Other versions of the Bible translate faint not as if we do not grow weary. In the Greek, it means to loose, to release, to grow weary, to relax, to enfeeble, to pass. The concordance goes on to say that it means to let completely out as to entirely succumb with the outcome of losing inner strength, hence to become weary and exhausted to the point of fainting. This is not what we are to do. We are called to be strong, valiant, and powerful. We are called to hold on, no matter what comes our way. Ephesians 6 and 13 tells us, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. This is God's will. Luke 9 and 62 tells us, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. We are not of them that look back. That's not us. We are the people of God who hold on, who never let go. Hold on to hope. Hold on to faith. And above all, hold on to God and never let go and never give up. Because God will never let go and never give up on us. Proverbs 23 and 18 in the NIV says, There is surely a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this day. And Lord, we thank you for all the great promises that you have given us in your word. Lord, we claim them for our lives because we're your children. They belong to us. Lord, we know that you have given us a future hope and we hold that expectation within our heart. And we know because you are a faithful God and that you always keep your word that these things will come to pass. And even as we go through all the trials and the tribulations of this life, we know that you haven't forgotten us, that you're always there right beside us, holding our hand throughout the entire way. And Lord, we know that when we make it out of that valley, when we come out on the other side, that we will be better, wiser, and stronger because of it. And Lord, we thank you that no matter what moment we're in in life, that it's the right moment. It's a moment that you look upon as favorable. And Lord, we thank you that you have set us apart, that you have chosen us and made us your own for this time. And Lord, help us to manifest that hope and that love that we hold within our heart to those around us, that they may see you in our lives. And Lord, we give you all the honor and all the praise and all the glory because you are always there with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to never give up and have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. Now, if you prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. 
We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you'd like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from. If you follow and subscribe so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all. And we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.